calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hello, this is Alex Dolan, the creator of The Patron Saint of Suicides. If you like the show and want to support us, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps others find the show, and it makes all of us very happy. So thank you so much for continuing to listen, and back to the show. Saint of Suicides. Created by Alex Dolan. Blossom lived up in the Oakland Hills, nestled in redwoods. It made him feel safe, usually. Not tonight. Someone was following his car. At 11 at night, no one drove on these roads. Most of the residents were already asleep. He barely saw a light on in the houses he passed. The vehicle stayed a few car lengths back, but on a quiet switchback road at night, there was no mistaking his tail. In the mirror, Blossom tried to make out plates or a face behind the windshield, but all he could see were the high beams. It was some sort of sedan, a boxy American car, but that was about it. When the road straightened, The high beams flooded his car, and he couldn't see much of anything. He thought of taking a detour. After all, he was leading strangers to his house, but the way they took the corner seemed so deliberate. He felt like they knew where he was going anyway. Pulling in front of his house, he turned off the car and sat for a moment, his hand resting on his holstered gun. The lights inside his house were on. Emily was in there waiting for him. The car pulled in close enough to kiss his bumper. The driver kept the lights on and the motor running. Get out of the vehicle. Show me your hands. With the gun and flashlight aimed through the windshield, for the first time, he could see who was in the car. 
car was occupied by two men. They were bulky, but he couldn't see their faces because they wore masks. Lucha Libre masks, one gold, the other red. Behind him, Blossom heard a rush of footsteps. Before he could react, something struck him on the top of his skull. A man stood above him in a wrestling mask, black with gold eye holes. This one must have been waiting for the others. He straddled Blossom's chest and began to punch at his head with wide swings. Blossom brought his hands up to protect his head, but the force of the blows traveled through his arms to his head. The way hitting a ball the wrong way can make the baseball bat shiver all the way to the shoulders. Through the ringing in his ears, he saw a blur of two men stepping out. They stood behind the man punching him, possibly waiting for the right moment to jump in. Since no one had produced a gun or a knife, Blossom was pretty certain they just wanted to dole out a beating, and he'd sustained worse. He might have taken their bruises and let them go on their way, but this was close to his home. The man grabbed Blossom by the throat, not hard enough to choke him, but firmly enough to pin him down. His breath smelled of hot dogs. He wore generic gray sweat clothes, but there was something familiar about his shoes, cheap and black with a thick rubber sole. The man growled when he spoke, and Blossom couldn't tell if he was trying to be intimidating or disguising his voice. Leave them alone. Blossom didn't need him to explain further. This was exactly what he thought it was, a cheap intimidation tactic. Those who hadn't worked closely with Victor Blossom might have thought he was reserved, even timid. Even Gibson, who had read his record and commented with admiration on his black belt, said he was the most bookish detective she had ever worked with. He remembered telling her how 12 years of martial arts had taught him patience, but all that training had really taught him how to fight. He'd had enough. With his hands wrapped around Blossom's neck, the masked attacker had exposed the insides of his arms. One jab of Blossom's thumbs into the tender underside of those biceps, and the man released his grip. Blossom took a second shot, a flat palm to the xiphoid process, right at the bottom of the sternum. He could hear the wind knocked out of the man with a loud wheeze. With a gentle shove, the man toppled off him. To let the others know he was serious, Blossom took hold of one of those cheap shoes and with a quick jerk, twisted his hands to snap the ankle. He grabbed his gun from the ground and aimed it at the two men, who didn't move. In roughly five seconds, Blossom had overcome his attackers. Take your man and go. Now! Two men hauled their whining compatriot into the back of their sedan. Don't ever track someone to his home, gentlemen. You never know what violence he's capable of until you threaten his family. He looked at Emily in the window. Hopefully, she hadn't phoned 911. He wouldn't be calling them either, because the car that just pulled away from his house was an unmarked police vehicle. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. 
Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Wesley and I lie in bed together as the morning sun shines through the slats of my basement window blinds. I'm comfortable with him. And he seems more at ease than he was last night. All of that tension seems to have seeped away. We both check our phones and read our emails and texts. I don't mind. When we came home to my apartment last night, we both checked our phones in the bathroom after we made love. Funny, the rituals of the modern couple. It's seven in the morning. We have time to relax together. We've already been up since before daybreak. The cars from the morning commute woke us both before dawn, as well as the heavy size of the bus's air brakes when they stop in front of my building. But even before the cars and the buses, Wesley woke me up around five because he kicks in his sleep. Little rabbit kicks with his bare feet, like a dog on a chase. I could be annoyed, but I find it endearing. He turns to me so our foreheads are touching. Can I confess something? I have questions about the bit where you wish you had a penis. Well, not everyone's a gem. I roll in the other direction, so he has no choice but to spoon me from behind. The bit he's talking about goes more or less like this. I'm a comic, so I have a lot of time to myself. Which isn't a good thing. Because when I'm alone, that's when all my crazy thoughts come out to play. I guess what I'm saying is... I'd like to have a penis. You know, just to help pass the time. I don't think I'd ever be bored with a penis. Don't get me wrong, I don't want one all the time. I don't want to be a man. I just want to borrow one when I have downtime. (laughs) Guys, you are so lucky. Most of the internet has been customized with exciting, innovative ways to help you play with your penises. I'd never be bored again. Ah, the things I'd do with my penis. I wouldn't just do the obvious stuff either. We'd have fun together. I'd read stories to it. I'd rent a nice B&B in Carmel by the sea, and we'd hang out on the beach together. As a special surprise, maybe I'd finally watch a Jason Statham movie with it. I don't know. What I'm saying is, I'd have plans. You're all thinking, but Haven, what's wrong with your vagina? Well, here's the thing. Some gals use their pussy like they're trying to play the world's longest guitar solo. And to that I say, respect. 
I'm not that girl. I'm kind of a one-and-done girl. It's all business with my pussy. I schedule a meeting with it, have my orgasm, and put it back away. In five minutes, I'm back on Pinterest. No, it's not that. He kisses the back of my neck. I can feel his hips press into my ass, and it makes my stomach flutter. Sorry, I I shouldn't have said anything. It's not like I love it when people give me their two cents about my murals. I press my ass against him, feeling the warmth of him stirring against my back, hoping this might kill the conversation soon. What don't you like about it? He's starting to get hard, and he's a little out of breath when he replies. It just got me wondering about stuff. I turn and flash him a look of disbelief, and I wonder if he's just messing with me. This has killed the mood. It's a joke. I'm trying to determine what he might find offensive. I'm hoping he doesn't think I have transphobic issues, or worse yet, he isn't digging up issues of his own. It's just... How do I say this? Do you ever want to be someone else? He pulls his hips away to give me a little room. We're both aroused, but we've lost the moment. I stare at him for a moment, wondering what he's getting at. And I consider the question honestly. Maybe... Sometimes doesn't everyone? My voice is heating up. Fuck, I've blown my chance for a morning quickie. I need to control myself. I don't want to fight with Wesley. Not after the dreamy night we had. I think about my dad's comic books. The lessons they taught me about multiple identities. And how this helps us escape the lives we have and let us be the heroes we want to be. You can't tell me you don't get a thrill out of being Bishop. See, that's exactly my point. I'm the same. Sometimes I like being someone else. Sometimes I like it more than being myself. I get the feeling you might be... like me. He gives me a goofy look to diffuse the tension. Maybe he realizes he's been taking himself too seriously. Maybe he regrets blowing his own chance for a morning quickie. What are you trying to say? There are things you don't tell me about yourself. There are secrets you keep from me. When you're on stage, I get the sense that there's this whole other person you get to be. You get to live outside yourself for a bit. I wonder if that helps with getting over... You know, what we've been through. I wonder if it helps you with the grieving process. Because sometimes I feel like it helps me when I get to be someone else, and sometimes I feel like it's just me avoiding the drama. He pauses and looks at me with a fierce intensity. I get it. We all have secrets. I guess what I'm saying is, I'd like to have fewer secrets between us. I'm not ready to have this talk with him. As much as I like him, this is too deep, too soon. In response, I lift the bedsheets and give his stomach a raspberry. (laughs) Stop it! (laughs) I've never encountered a scenario where a good raspberry can't diffuse the tension and reset a conversation. And it doesn't fail me now. As I buzz my lips on his navel, he giggles like a little kid and we're back to playing again. (laughs) We're comfortable again. 
but just cuddling. He's on his back, and I'm using his chest as a pillow. Can I ask a serious question? I'm dubious. Sure. How do you afford this place? As I've mentioned, my basement apartment at the corner of Van Ness and Lombard isn't much of a place. A studio apartment with a galley kitchen on the border of the Tenderloin. Yet, it's something to be envied because it's in the city of San Francisco, and I don't have roommates. These days, this is what passes for enviable housing. For what I spend on rent every month, I could buy a used motorboat. I think about motorboats, and this inspires me to give Wesley another raspberry. <laughs> Stop it. When he collects himself, he retreads the serious topic. I'm just saying, you can be yourself with me. You don't have to hide anything. Well, I've told you about my father. And I've told you he died when I was four. Wesley stopped smiling, realizing he stepped on a landmine. That's how I afford this place. I'm, I'm sorry for bringing it up. We lie in silence. All of our bliss now successfully burned away by talking about my dead father. It's been a long time since I've had a guest in my apartment. Didn't want to jinx it, but things got jinxed just the same. I'm compelled to compare Wesley to David Cohen, even though they're two completely different men. Envisioning them side by side, I compare David's paunch to Wesley's dancer's stomach. That's unfair. At some point... Before it all went tits up, David did make me happy. And I still don't know Wesley well. Now that he's bringing up secrets and dual identities, I'm wondering how much I really know him at all. I've been silent too long. I can feel Wesley's legs start twitching next to me. What did you and that detective talk about? Largely your criminal record. Wesley gives me a death stare. I'm just kidding. You've got some thin skin. Don't joke about that. Do you have a criminal record? No, I don't. But I also don't like people joking about me having one. Okay, sorry. He stares up at the ceiling, no longer stroking my hair. He places his hand behind his head. Seriously? What'd you guys talk about? We only talked for a few minutes. Enough time to talk about something. Why are you dodging the question? I know what he's thinking. More secrets. I'll never get a straight answer out of this woman. I don't want to frustrate him. I don't want him to leave. But I don't know if I can offer him full transparency. At least not right now. I drape my hand across his chest and play with his ear. But he tilts his head away. It suddenly seems like he doesn't want to be touched, so I roll away from him. For some reason, even though we both have nothing on, I now feel more naked than him. We both stare at the ceiling, not touching. Not an easy feat for a pull-out sofa bed. My phone vibrates. I ignore it. He had this idea that I'm some sort of suicide expert, so he wanted to talk to me. But we know these aren't suicides. This was before they found the third body. I think the detective was trying to rule out suicide. I debate whether or not to tell him the full story. 
then I see no reason not to. I want to be honest with him. I think the subtext was that he wanted to get someone to spy on the group. He said that? Not in so many words, but I'm pretty sure that's what he was trying to do. Plant suspicion in one of us, to see if I'd inform on someone's quirky behavior or whatever. Have you been in touch with him? Not since that night. I'm plagued by the world's worst timing. Now that we've been talking about Detective Blossom, I'm sure Wesley is wondering if it's the cop trying to reach me. Even I'm wondering. I let the phone sit on the nightstand. You gonna get that? I don't need to. I make a mental note to turn off the vibration the next time I'm alone. The way this morning is going, that should be fairly soon. I don't mind that you talk to the police. We all did. I was just curious. I don't even care if it's him on your phone. I I trust you. I kiss him to take us out of this conversation. But the phone interrupts us with a third buzz. I check it. It's not the cop. Diego sent me three texts. Are you there? Do you have a minute to talk? Not doing well. This is the most earnest communication I've ever gotten from him. And while I think he might be jealous that I'm dating Wesley, these messages don't smack of jealousy. It's something else. I show Wesley the text to assure him it's not the detective. I think he needs help. Why does it have to be from you? Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.